0: Is it time? Can I finally say the thing that I've been waiting, like four what three and a half hours to say? Sure. Can we get the George Sedano sound? Yeah, let's get to it now. Because I I have to say we
1: haven't talked enough
0: about your weekend. We have not mostly because I'm still trying to remember parts of my weekend. And we had George Sedano on last week, and we were talking about sipping tequila. And I was I was asking for a recommendation. What do I take the cabin? And here's what George said. The one we had, also excellent,
2: uh, Clase Azul. That's right. Uh, C-L-A-S-E, Azul, like blue in Spanish, A-Z-U-L.
0: Fantastic. Allow me to say, it's the best friggin tequila I've ever had in my life. It was so good. It was flawless. And did you do it on the rocks? No, no, no. I just did it straight. You did it neat. Yeah, did it neat. And, uh nothing
1: neat about you. Except for your personality.
0: Uh, everything that I can say is going to get us in trouble. However, um, I started, so this weekend, I eased into it, had a glass on Thursday, had like two what glasses. you say a
1: glass, I mean, what are we talking here, like a five-ounce pour?
0: Yeah, probably four or five shots. Okay. Worth. Yeah. That's a glass. Yeah. Is yeah, it, that's a night? night for a lot of people. Well, yeah, but so. okay. But and you that, also, your three bills. A little bit, a little bit. Just a shade over. It's a big shade. However, what's a shade? It's an awning. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> so, Friday, I have two of those glasses, and then Ness and I went for a, a walk early uh, Saturday morning, and we got back. And from the moment we got back, I had a glass of the tequila in my hand, and, and I told you I bought the big bottle. I'm about the donkey, yeah, and I. There's actually another part of this that we have to have the conversation about because there's a couple of secrets I kept from my wife this weekend. I don't do that, and so I'm you, gonna.
1: It's just between between us, just between you and me. No nobody else, else is listening.
0: So I told her I paid 103 the 33 dollars for the bottle.
1: Are you an auctioneer? A three and a three and a I'm hundred and
0: three, and, three, a, and, three a, and a hundred three. three and a three and <laughs> I got a three. Uh, because I didn't want to tell her that I paid 180 dollars for the bottle. Oh, <laughs> so you told her how grace? much? I told her, well okay, I told her 125 and then I made up the lie. I was like cuz I kind oh, it was 12999. So, so it was, I, I, I ballparked told her
1: 125 and it. it was 180. Yes. So at that point what's the damn difference? Like $50, $50, bro. If you're spending 125,
0: $50 is nothing. No, you don't understand. Based
1: off of what you said, uh your wife wouldn't
0: worry too much about 50 bucks. Well, yeah, because she likes it when she spends money, not yes. when I spend money. That's the rule of that the thing. That came family. out wrong, by the way. <laughs> That's, uh, based on what you've told me <laughs> about, about this your bee. wife, 50 bucks is not too much for her. <laughs> so I, I didn't mean it that way, Vanessa. Have you heard this? I, I, I'm going to play this and only no, this part of the no, segment for Vanessa. No. Context! <laughs> so, uh, okay, here's why I lied about the, the amount that I paid for the bottle. Because we have, it's called Four Copas, which is uh, one of the brand that I like that is kind of, it's not cheaper. It's like a $70 bottle. But for the
1: big bottle or just the fifth?
0: For the big bottle, for the For, the, for the 1.75? Yeah. So I was like, ah, I paid a little bit for this. And she's like, oh. So she's thinking four Copas. And she's like, so like 80? And I realized.
1: Like uh, add another 100 to it? I,
0: I can't go from 80 to 180 and not get reamed. I can go from 80 to 100 to 125, and I think we're safe. And we were safe, by the way. Because I was like, "Well, it's one twenty-five, but after taxes, it was like one thirty-three and change." Which, by the way, great. You just guesstimate. threw it out there. Great guesstimate. Problem is, I've almost because she's like, "How much did you pay for that bottle?" Because I think she knows that I lied. Because I'm not a great liar, especially not to my wife. Oh, we got a bat bat signal out here to Lima. Uh-oh. You know,
1: I knew that. I typed that number in the my phone book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, we welcome on on the North Olmstead. Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. Anthony Lime, what's up, buddy?
2: Uh, great to see you're stepping up in the tequila world. I am honestly a little surprised that that was the recommendation from Sedano. I don't know, Dustin, we remember, I think our first foray into that tequila was. It was at yours uh, truly? Yes. And it was How
1: the you, owner. It's so, it's so funny. Larry bought us a shot. Yeah, uh, well, and it was, it was a, more than that. Well, I don't remember. <laughs> Let's just and say he bought us a shot.
2: Show that day. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so it is a great tequila. I just, I think it's so famous now that I don't know that that should be a recommendation. Like, when people recommend bourbon, okay, I don't need somebody telling me to go, you know, get the Pappy Van Winkle, which is now, like, $3,000 and impossible to get. Like, I'm just surprised. It's too mainstream? Have, yeah. Well, you, But, Lama, you're paying was,
1: for the bottle. To some degree,
2: right,
1: because it's a fancy right. bottle. Like people don't throw those bottles away. It's artwork. Yeah,
2: which which tequila, which one did you get? Like, did you get, did you get a? a you didn't get the Reposado, I imagine. No. Which one did you get? No, you got I the got reposado. the Reposado. Yeah. Oh, you, you did get the Reposado. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean that's that's a big price, and I mean I think when I ask people about bourbon, when I ask people about you know tequila or anything, even scotch. I love when they tell me, Anthony, it's a $20 bottle, it's a $30 bottle, but it is amazing. Or it, it, it tastes like this more expensive. Like I love kind of the insidery uh, stuff when people give me those recommendations. I'm just kind of surprised that I imagine Sonato, who's loaded, you know, has, has, has been like national for 20 years now, is on TV. Right? I just am surprised that he gave you such an obvious choice.
1: He just got oh. into tequila, actually. Yeah. So I think he just kind of went high end with it. And, and him and I had a glass at our dinner down in San Antonio. And I, I've never, re- like, I forgot how good it was because I'm not a big tequila yeah. guy in Lima. Um, but you and I did do that shot that one day. And we did it on the rocks. And I was like, this is some pretty good stuff. So, but hardcore hardcore tequila guys do not like Kase, uh, Do not Kase. Like I don't know about that. I know a lot of tequila guys that like it.
2: I mean, the, the guys in my orbit, Dustin and Nick, they... <laughs> well, excuse they
1: me, I'm not hanging out in Brenton all the time.
2: <laughs> I know, but they, they say it's too sweet and it eliminates a lot of the notes that, you know, tequila uh, aficionados go for. I mean, I don't, I don't drink tequila on that level, but I'm glad that Nick got a good a good glass. Now, did you shoot any of them or did you sip all of it?
0: Uh, I sip most of it, but, like, if I had, like, three shots worth left, I, I did shoot that once or twice.
2: Yeah, at the end, it all goes down. You build up an immunity to it on the spot, and if you have nowhere to go, no responsibility, you know who the hell cares? Did you hit? Uh, you, I might have missed this while calling in. Did you? Did you hit the bell? Uh, so uh, Dustin told I me told about, about it. the bell. He
0: didn't know about the bell. I might have been too drunk to figure out it was a bell.
2: <laughs> I could see. I could see Nick just throwing the bell, <laughs> just doing whatever he could at that point to make noise. Just full so, 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 on so man.
1: So just doing a quick search on Google. A uh, hundred favorite tequilas according to hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. Number one, Don Julio 1942. Yeah, you ever had it? Yeah,
2: I have. I've gotten it. It's a good gift to get for somebody just to show, hey, I paid a lot of money for your gift. So here you go. Like everybody knows how much it costs. But the other thing that I, I that I wonder about when it comes to tequila like this, like do you know Nick? This has become bottle service worthy like it is now something that people that are trying to show off for the women at the club which I don't do anymore and don't go to the club anymore but that is Since like a, a and and the the uh, amazing price like the price they jack it up to ridiculous levels at the club now like a
1: classe like azul bottle in uh, Miami would cost you what 2500
2: yeah, so it's definitely, it's definitely worth
0: fifteen hundred. It's probably getting close to two. Yeah. Ugh. So, so I, I actually, because I was just talking about how much I lied to my wife about the price of the bottle. So tell her you got a deal. Do I do I tell her I got a deal? And I would also, are you always honest with with uh, your wife about how much money you spent on booze? Uh,
2: that's why we have separate accounts, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we've got separate storage.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This. Uh... You're doing it better than I am, you buddy, guys share a closet?
1: Do we?
0: Yeah. No. You can't. Closet.
1: You can't. Okay.
0: No, I, I, I shared a closet with Vanessa I for have, a long time. I have
1: more clothes than Sarah.
0: No, Ness has uh, enough clothes to, like, uh, clothe all of Botswana. And so if I share a closet with her, I'm reduced to, like, a, a half-foot space <laughs> in the corner. Uh, Anthony, thank you for the, uh, the tequila support, my friend. Okay, Lyme, I'm, I'm proud you made it
1: one minute before the show today.
0: I know it was. Uh, it was after hey, our chat last
1: some, night. I didn't think you'd make it at all.
2: I got into some alcohol last night. By the way, two tequilas. If you can find them, that I love. I have them written down: Don Fulano and Fortaleza.
1: Fortaleza is number two on this list. Oh, okay. Fort, right. Fortaleza okay. Re- Reposado. Mm.
2: So was that hack? That was that hacky of me. To, I don't to think so.
1: Uh, and by the way, the Fortaleza is fifty bucks.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. It's affordable. So, really, the tequila game is about does it hit all the notes, and thank you for the call, buddy, Anthony Lima there on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline, or is it affordable? It's either got to be cheap so you can say well, it's again, only X. I Again, I told
1: you you were paying for the bottle. Mm-hmm. And it's a great, smooth tequila. And I don't really like tequila.
0: Lima was right on it, by the way. Somebody did when I posted a picture of it on Twitter. You got the hate? Somebody See, was that's like, a problem. No one's good. oh, there are too many additives. And I was like, bro, I love it. Like, come on. Like, let me live. Yeah, just just let me enjoy something. Let me live. Let me be me. You got to let, I'm a peacock. You got to let me fly.
1: Peacock out. That's some, you know, the peacock's <laughs> wings come out. He's just peacock
0: out. No, that's what my friends and I say. What are you talking about? I do want to get into what Joe Varden had to say about the calves. We're going to do that at, at, at six. But the morning show guys today had a great conversation about load management. And when they brought on Joe, they had the conversation. Or they asked him about the NBA and load management. And I guys, I think the conversation, the, the nexus point of having this conversation, in the NBA is now. Here's what Joe had to say about it.
3: He threw this at me. He said, well, we're going to break a record for, for ticket sales and for season ticket renewals, and our TV ratings are up, and so fans are telling us that they love the NBA. I thought that that was a little misguided from him. I certainly don't think that that represents the pulse of how fans feel about it when they pay this big money to go to these games expecting to see certain players out there, and they're not there. I think it would take more time for that to lead to a decline in revenues. I mean, this is a new thing. Like when the Cavs were doing this, like when they were great, um, you know, however many years ago, they were doing it in late March and early April, okay? They weren't doing it in November and December and January. So th- this is a new thing, and I think there will be solutions. I think that Adam was was actually coming out so forcefully in the player's defense Because I I, I think that they probably have worked on some agreement that he didn't want to torpedo as part of the new collective bargaining agreement. I think all that's true. But it is a problem. They do need to fix this. And people around the league know that. I mean, the coaches, you know, they go out and and say, hey, science, there's nothing we can do about it. But privately, they know what this looks like. And I think even some of the players do, too. I mean, you know, you've heard Steph say... You know, we want to be out there and and on and on and on. So I think everybody recognizes that this is an issue and at some level we'll all have to get used to it. But also I think they'll they'll try to do things to bump this back up a little bit. So guys are at least playing in the seventy to seventy-five game range.
0: Dusty, it's so funny to me that everybody spent the weekend and the beginning of this week complaining about the NBA All-Star game, which I think is a lost cause. The number one thing that might turn the next uh collective bargaining agreement into a strike or a lockout i think it's load management and i think i think we've hit a a a critical mass where if they don't figure it out five years down the road if it's the same problem it'll be kind of what tanking was to the nba about five years ago when they had to redo how they do the draft lottery because they realized it was eroding the public's confidence in the nba product that's where we are with load management
1: yeah, load management is um it's a difficult thing for people to um you know, come to grips with, especially fans who spend, you know, these absorbent amounts of, of money uh on these tickets that are priced out based on the opponent. And you don't know when the game's gonna be, you don't know exactly who's gonna play. Like it just I thought the discussion was, was fascinating this morning that the guys had because there are I mean, we we look at Ken made a really good point. Um, this morning where he's talked about the Warriors being a rival with the Cavs and the Warriors came to town and literally everyone sat. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, we lost that game, which, you know, we're not going to talk about that. But the, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of people that were paying $170 a ticket just to get in the door to see Steph Curry
0: Well, and I think once a year. I think in the end, at where we've gotten with load management, to the level that it is, nobody's winning except the players. Owners are, I, one, I think it it screws fans. And, and, and
1: honestly, you can't convince me that the loan management is helping the players play longer or be healthier in the postseason because, like, you look back, these dudes have been playing
0: 82 games a year forever. I, I think the reason we've seen why it's critical mass is I think players are trying to turn load management to leverage the NBA to have less games. Because I think players want less games. They want to get paid the same amount of money, and they want to to get paid for, uh, for less games, which I understand, but I don't buy this idea that 82 games is too much. And this idea of, well, but players want to play 20 years. Yeah, I bet you do. But the reality is, there's always going to be a finite amount of basketball that you can play, but we've gotten to a point where there's only one group of people benefiting and it is the players, the 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 fans, you mentioned it, the fans lose. The fans lose when they pay in the preseason or two weeks out and a huge markup for premier matchups and then don't get to see those players. The networks lose, whether it's regional or otherwise, because you're expecting a huge boom when you go to see Steph Curry on Valley Sports or when you go see on TNT when you're expecting – LeBron to play like that second uh, TNT matchup where the the Milwaukee game, where LeBron could have scored the scoring mark or set the scoring record there. All right, well, all of a sudden that game isn't as sellable. So the networks are losing. And Mm -hmm. listen, I think the owners are losing because it's pissing off fans. Yep. So if the players are the only one benefiting, all right, then it's not worth it. And I mean the players in the NBA and the,
1: their union. I mean they've got they've got the NBA, NBA by the cojones. Mm-hmm. They make all this money guaranteed. Their contracts are just ridiculous, and then they get to take
0: nights off. I think we've gotten to a point where, man, and I, I don't want to make this sound because I don't want to sound anti-player. I'm not. I think player empowerment is a great thing, but with great power comes great responsibility. I don't know if anybody's seen Spider Man or any of the seventy Spider Mans, but that's a true saying that that comes from the world of Spider Man. I think players have gotten. I think players have used the public idea of support for players, and I think they've forgotten who pays their salary because it isn't the owners, it isn't the networks, it isn't and it isn't the coaches, or it's the fans. And. I think players think they're winning in this battle between the owners about power and money and all these dynamics. I think in the end, if you're screwing the fans, you're not just hurting yourself and the current product, you're hurting the faith in that product long term. And you get paid an assload of money to play what is a pretty physically brutal game. It is. I I actually think the physicality in basketball, the amount of wear and tear on your body, it's we I don't think we talk about it enough. That also doesn't mean that playing in games or load management or anything, that also doesn't mean that they haven't completely over-leveraged this and in the end hurt the game. They're hurting the game now. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.